Today's shir begins seven lines from the top of Daf Chof Aleph. We had learned in our Mishnah that a woman, if she had become a sota, if she has merits, so the water will not have an immediate effect in, in re- resulting in her death. The Mishnah mentioned that there are merits that can maintain her life for a year, for two years, for three years. The Gemara here will be looking into what merit is referred to. On the side of the Gemara, you'll notice uh, a nosei slash mivne heading, the topic heading and structural note. A double underline appears. This is a birur, a, an analysis or a clarification. With regard to what merit did the Mishnah refer when it said that zchus, that merit delays the ultimate death of the woman. So now we turn to the Gemara. Zchus de Mai. Which zchus protects her? Uh, the double underlining is simply stages in trying to uh, resolve this issue. E Lema Zchus de Torah. If one were to think that it's a reference to the merit of Torah study, she's not commanded in the study of Torah. And uh, being that she's not commanded, it, we, we can't imagine how that would be something for which she would have merit that would keep her alive. By the way, note the uh, nature of this sugya, how it, things are spread out. We mentioned there are stages of analysis. So this was the first stage. Now we have Elo, Schus de Mitzvah. You'll, if you drop down further down, about two-thirds of the way down the page, uh, you'll notice... A, a, a third double underline where Ravina, who's in a house marking, gives his approach. So in the meantime, we're at the second stage, and the suggestion is it's a merit that she has merits of mitzvah performance. And now we have a very long question. So note the markings. Schus de mitzvah mi magne Does the merit of mitzvah fulfillment? have that high level of magna, like the word mogain, protection. The Hotanya, we have a Tanaic source, which is a, a drosha, a type of agadic source, but the main point will be seen at the end of this long source that you see in a frame, where the point is made that mitzvah, as important as mitzvahs are, they don't provide that uh, uh, sufficiently high level of protection that the Mishnah would say that she relies on the mitzvah performance that she's done as a source of merit to keep her going. So the Gemara asks, as we said, is, does it protect her so much? The following was darshaned by Rabbi Nachem, by Rabbi Menachem, Rabbi Yossi. The Pesach says, Kiner mitzvah v'toro a mitzvah is compared to a candle and the Torah is compared to light. The scripture connects mitzvah to a candle. There's a Torah ba'or and Torah to light. Um, for the purpose of, let's say, imagery, uh, just imagine when we say light, imagine daylight. The sun is shining and, and the entire world is illuminated. Es ha mitzvah b'ner, mitzvahs, 
are compared to candles, Lomar Loch, to tell us, to teach us, just like a candle protects, it provides light so that you know where you're going, but only momentarily. Uh, there's a, another girsa that you see on the side, Eino Me'ira. Instead of Megina, Me'ira means pr- provides light, but it's, it's only temporary as long as there is fuel in the candle so the wick will continue burning. So, Af Mitzvah Eino Megina Elo Lafisha. So to a mitzvah provides protection, but only for the moment. V'yes HaTorah In contrast, Torah is compared to the phenomenon of light. Lomar Loch Ma'or and here again we have a Girsa issue, a question what text is either Megin Lolam or Meir Lolam. Light, and like in the case of the sun, so it it provides light continually. Af Torah Megina Lolam. So to Torah study prefer, uh, uh, provides protection forever. In other words, it's in contrast to mitzvahs, which are temporary, Torah is long lasting. The Omer is another posuk that he continues darshaning and you'll notice the uh, it says the Gomer there's more to the posuk that the source will will darshan if you notice there's a dashed underlining that takes place the, this is a citation of the posuk and its continuation so the posuk in the meantime says uh, as you Walk so the Torah guides you. That's a reference to guidance and preservation that it provides for a person in this world. When one reclines, but that zoomisa, when a, after a person dies, so the Torah that one studied serves to protect him. is to become aroused. It will. As Rashi says, let's take a look together in the Rashi. He tesichecha talmit baadcha es chusra. It will uh, intervene on your behalf. It will speak up on your behalf in your merit, and that is a reference to laosid level in the future world. Moshol laodam shehoya mahalich bishon laylo vafila. We can make an analogy to a person who is walking in the uh, at night in the thickness of darkness of night. It is a long list of things that a person who is uh, walking in the thickness of darkness of night has what to worry about. And you see we've numbered them off. Number one, it says, from thorns. Number two, are, are pits. Uh, holes, pits one could fall into, minha barkonim, thistles, mechayara, from uh, dangerous animals, wild animals, minha listim, from thieves and bandits, vieno yodea be'ezu derech malech, and he doesn't know which direction to take at all. Nizdam no loi avuka shel or. You'll see that we have the triangle, a marking here, is a uh, build up in terms of what happens as the analogy goes on. So if you just skim ahead, you see there's a reference to a torch, and the next triangle, Olamura Shachar, is daybreak, and then Higia pushes Drochim comes to a crossroads. So the stage by stage, Nizdam Nalo Avuko Shalor, he uh, chances upon a torch, 
so the now it's at least where he's walking he can see he can see a thing or two and uh, this idea of the torch that he now uh, uh, gains access to is parallel to the mitzvah person who has the has the merit of fulfilling a mitzvah what happens so with the torch and this for this fellow walking at night nitzal mina kaitsim it protects him from thorns, from pits, from thistles. It's a type of, we'll say, partial protection from immediate uh, sources of injury. However, vadayin, but even with the torch in hand, he still has what to worry about, uh, dangerous animals, uh, bandits, and uh, he doesn't know where to, which path to take. Kevon Sholo Amud Hashachar. When daybreak arrives, now the daybreak arrival, Rashi says, is parallel to the one who merits study of Torah. This protects him. Nitzal mechaya raw uminalistim. Daybreak, so wild animals don't uh, rove around at night, and uh, thieves uh, operate under the protection of darkness. Now they won't, they won't attack during the daytime. So that that gives the the amud uh, hashachar, the the daybreak, protects him. And Rashi adds that, as we mentioned before, it he has the, this is an analogy to one who has, in addition to mitzvahs, he has the merit of Torah study. He is protected. Rashi says he's protected from sinning and from suffering. The Gemara continues. But still, okay, it's daybreak, but he doesn't know which path he needs to take. And the analogy that Rashi gives to at this point is that so very nice. A person has mitzvahs and he's to study Torah. But he might be overtaken by the Yetzer Hara, by the evil inclination. Uh, and if we look in, let's look at Rashi together, right across from here. The Yetzer might get the better of him to stop him from study of Torah. And then the, the evil inclination will come back, and troubles, Puranus, punishments, troubles will befall him. So let's now we go back to the Gemara text. Higia leparshas drachim. A person, in, the, in our uh, analogy, he reaches a crossroads, and at the crossroads, so he recognizes which path to take. The Rashi says across from here, Higia leparshas drachim v'shom hikiris darko. There he recognizes his path. V'afkan higia liyoyim hamisa. He reaches a person in the analogy. He then reaches a his a day of death. Velo pirish Torah yomoso, and he did not separate. He didn't depart from Torah study until his very last day. Nitzal mikulon. He's then protected from all the above mentioned problems, as will be explained later. So now we go continue in our Gemara text. Higiel leproshes drachim nitzal mikulon. He's saved from everything. In other words, uh, he now knows uh, which path to take. Dover uh, Acher, another explanation, Avera Mechabe Mitzvah, V'ein Avera Mechabe Torah. A sin has the power of extinguishing Schar Mitzvah, reward for Mitzvah fulfillment. However, sin 
does not have the ability, Mechabator doesn't have the ability to extinguish, to cancel the reward that he deserves for the Torah study that he did before the sin. And it's at this point that we really have to focus on the main point. Why did we bring all of this in? Let's look at Rashi. Notice Rashi, just a few lines down from here. Sin does not extinguish the reward, eradicate, erase the reward that he uh, receives for having studied Torah before his sinning. Alma, we see from this difference that Avera, that sin can extinguish schar mitzvah, but it cannot extinguish schar Torah. Alma mitzvah lo magne kuleha. You see from here, and this is why we brought this whole discussion in, to show that mitzvah does not afford such great protection. So that originally, how can it be maintained or suggested that zhus mitzvah is that which the sota can rely on or uh, deserves to rely on for her protection for, uh, let's say, continued existence for another year, two, or three. And uh, we go back to our Gemara text, Shinamar, regarding the power of Torah and its protection. The Pasuk is, Mayim Rabim, Lo Yuchlu Lechabois Esoava. That's in Shira Shirim Perek, Ches, Pasuk Zion. Uh, the reason I make mention of that posuk is that later in the Gemara, toward the last four lines of the Gemara, uh, a reference will be made to the continuation of this very posuk. So that uh, the posuk itself says that many waters cannot uh, extinguish the great love. This Ava is a reference to Torah, and that means that even uh, even sin cannot extinguish the schar that one. Uh, achieved through Torah study. But that's Torah study, not mitzvahs. So, at this point, we've come to the end of what we explained before. is a very long question. What is the uh, schus that the woman relies on? Before we can go back, continuing the Gemara text itself, take note of some of the markings we have. On the side, we have a mivne, a structural note. The house form appears. These are Shnei Deus, two uh, opinions. What is that merit that keeps the woman going? So Rav Yosef will explain. And Rav Yosef continues within the spirit of mitzvah, schus merit of mitzvah performance. Later, Ravina will appear, and he goes back to the schus of Torah. And what schus do women have if they're not actually commanded in the study of Torah? So we'll see what Ravina says. Another marking that appears is a diamond. The, the uh, reason for this is Hadgoshas Mitzvah and Torah Bekesher Lekoichem Logein Lazio. We'll be highlighting each one of these terms, Mitzvah and Torah, with regard to their respective protective powers. What do they protect from, and what do they save one from? Now the Gemara, Omar Rav Yosef, Mitzvah Beidna Daosik Ba. A mitzvah, while one is actually in the process of fulfilling the mitzvah, magna umatzla. Magna means it protects a person from yisurin, from pain, from suffering. Umatzla means it saves them from the effects of the evil inclination. Be'idna dolo asik ba, when a person is not in the involved the actual fulfillment of the mitzvah, 
but he has already fulfilled the mitzvah, so then, Aguni Magno Atsuli Lo Matzla. What did we say Aguni means? It's, it protects a person from Yisurim, from suffering. So there is, the schus of mitzvah does protect the woman, protect her from dying. That's associated with the Yisurim. It doesn't protect the individual from the effects of the evil inclination. But as far as the woman is concerned, the focus right now is on what keeps her alive. So it can very well be, according to Rav Yosef, the schus of mitzvah performance. We can learn the Rashi together, just a few lines down from here, Omar of Yosef, Lo'olam Megino al Yisurin, Harbei, the mitzvah has the power to protect uh, uh, quite extensively from suffering. Umay Eino Megino Tanakama, and the Tanaic source, the reference was made to the mitzvah as not being a, a, a source of protection, it's Min Hachet. It doesn't protect against the effects of the Yetzirah, of the evil inclination of taking advantage of a person during the period after which a person has fulfilled the mitzvah. But as far as the mitzvah's power of protection from Yisur and from suffering, it does have a long-term effect. And it's upon that that the woman relies. We have now, you'll notice we have a bracketed section Use your bracket length indicator, and what this does is it makes it very easy to skip immediately after Rav Yosef explained what protects the woman when the Mishnah said, Rav Yosef said what he did, that the mitzvah does have a protective effect. You skip the brackets, Ravin Omar, Lo'olom Schus Notice the contrast, whereas Rav Yosef says it's the merit of mitzvahs, Ravina says no, it's the merit of Torah. And then you'll ask, well, but she's not commanded to study Torah, so how can it possibly uh, protect her? And we'll get to Ravina, who'll give us an answer to that. Now, in the meantime, once Rav Yosef focuses on protective powers of mitzvah, he also makes reference to the superior protective powers of Torah. And let's continue in the Gemara, in the brackets. Torah bein beidna de osik ba ubein beidna de lo osik ba magna umatzla. With regard to Torah study, whether it be th- during the time of actual Torah study, or even when he has finished Torah, so he's not engaged in actual Torah study, it's magna umatzla. Magna meant protection from from pain and suffering. Matzla protection from the effects of the yitzhara. And now you notice an internal brackets. The note on the side explains toch sograim elu. Notice where we have a double star and a note. So it says toch sograim elu she'ila uchuva partani. Have a say detailed question. Binyan koychishil tiro lahagin lahatzil laor mashinemar lifneam. We're going to be questioning the what we've said till now regarding the protective qualities of Torah. So it's a, as we said before, this is a detailed type question. And let's continue. Maskif law Rava. Rava asks, Elo me'ata, if Torah has such extensive protective capacity uh, as 
protecting not only from pain, but also from the effects of the Yetzirah, even when one's not studying. Doeg was a, a royal counselor in the time of Shoal HaMelech. Achitofel was a uh, counselor uh, during the time of David HaMelech. These people were very great Torah scholars. However, when you study the, the Tanakh, you, you find that they were, to put matters lightly, they were not positive individuals. They were wicked individuals. So, uh, both Doeg and Achitofel, they, they sought out evil for King David. They wanted to see him messed up. Uh, so we asked the following question. If it's so true that Torah protects from the effects of the evil inclination, regarding these gentlemen, Doeg Vachitofel, Milo Aski Batoro, did they not did they, they, did they not study Torah? They certainly did. Why didn't it offer protection for them from the effects of the Yetzirah to prevent the Yetzirah from uh, taking over these people? And we see that they were the victims of an intense evil inclination. The more answers. Ela Omar Rava. Rather a new approach. Torah be'idna de osik ba, with regard to Torah study, when one is in the involved the actual study of Torah, magno matzla, it has that double protection from pain and from the effects of the evil inclination. Be'idna de lo osik ba, when one is not studying Torah, aguni magno atzuli lo matzla, it protects from the effects of yisurim, but not from the ability of the evil inclination to get the better of a person. Mitzvah Bain Beidno de Osikba Bain Beidno de Lo Asikba with regard to mitzvah performance, whether at the time that you're performing the mitzvah or you've finished doing the mitzvah, Aguni Magna, it offers protection. And now in this sense uh, we still we're we're maintaining Rav Yosef's approach. It protects from Yisurin. However, Atsuli Matzla doesn't have the effect of protecting a person from the effects of the uh, from the influence and the persuasion of the evil inclination. Ravina Omar Ravina, as we said, is a a second uh, answer to what merit protects the woman from there was the Sota the Olam Schus Torah. It's the merit of that she has in Torah. But not that she studies Torah. But rather, we ask the question, She's not commanded in the study of Torah, and yet you're telling me that she has the merit of Torah. Is it then a reference to her study of Torah? The answer is no. It's not a reference to the woman's study of Torah. Granted that she's not commanded in the study of Torah. However, Ba'agra Biagra means b'schar, in reward for demakrinu masnin benayu, that the mothers of children see to it that the children go off to school, where they study Torah, they study the scriptures, they study Mishnayis. Um, that's Mikrin is a reference to Mikra, the, the Tanakh. Masnin is a reference to Mishnayis, that makrinu masnin banayu, 
they, their, their sons, their children, and they wait up at night for their husbands who oftentimes study Torah in, a, in another city, and they come back late, and these women wait up for their husbands to greet them, they wait up, not sure as they, they, they wait up at night for their Gavraya, the, for their husbands, until they come back from their base Medrash, where they study Torah. Do they not share in their schar, in the schar of, of their husbands who study Torah? So they share in the schar, they have a, they too, women too, have Torah reward um, and Torah merit. There's a Rashi that I think we should take a look at in the first wide line under the Gemara. Not as if she studies Torah and for that she gets the merit. It's because she extends herself for the benefit of her children and her husband in their study of Torah that she earns Torah merit. The Gemara at this point makes reference to the Tanaic source and the analogies. My Prashas Drochim. What is the analogy uh, to the crossroads? The source mentioned the person was walking at night, he gets a torch, and we explain that's a reference to mitzvah merit. The daybreak comes, that we made we explained is a is an analogy to the merit of Torah study and what it protects him from. What is the reference to Proshas Drachim to crossroads? The Rashi that we'll take a look at together is found on the third wide line under the Gemara text. So we read the Rashi, My Proshas Drachim, Mahu Midame Lehikia the Proshas Drachim. What are we trying to compare to arrival at a crossroads? The Avuka Hainu Mitzvah, the torch. So that is a reference to the merit of fulfilling mitzvahs. Amuda Shachar Hainu Torah. What is the crossroads a reference to? In order to answer this question, you'll notice that there are three approaches in the Gemara. Number one, Amar of Misa. This is a reference to a person who is a Torah scholar and he successfully pursued Torah study till his last day. And he knows that he did not uh, go astray, didn't veer off the path. Uh, so a person like that, when he uh, reaches Yom Hamisa, the day of death, so he can, let's say, depart from this world with a certain sense of self-assuredness that uh, only good awaits him. Let's continue in the Gemara. Rav Nachman Omar Zeh the idea of the Proshas Drachim is a reference to someone who was a Torah uh, scholar, who studied Torah throughout his life. Yiras Chait, Rashi says, Yiras Chait, Zoha Yiras Chait, Achash Zoha Torah. person after studying Torah also reached a level where he was fearful of sinning. Achash Zoha Torah, after he merited Torah study. Nitzal Mikulin Torah Malam Doso, Divrei Mitzvah. Torah study itself teaches a person how to perform mitzvahs, what is forbidden, what one should stay away from. 
achieving a level called fear of sin and uh, enables empowers a person to resist the temptations of the evil inclination so that uh, my understanding of Rav Nabi Yitzhak is that it's it's like a um, an additional level to that which Rav Chista said he adds this additional element not only being a Talmud Chacham but also having achieved the uh, uh, the fear of sin Mar Zutra Omar Ze Talmud Chacham Desalko Leishmaitza Aliba Dehochasa Poshas Drochim is a reference to a Torah scholar who in his Torah studies reaches a level that when he uh, reaches a conclusion, it's a conclusion that is considered acceptable. Ali it's a conclusion that all others will accept. You have people that can be engaged in Torah study and they'll debate points back and forth but on remaining on a theoretical level and reaching possibly conclusions but conclusions that are not accepted those are, that's, that's true, it's Torah study, but it's not called Aliba de Hilchasa. Let's look together at the Rashi. And the source above meant as follows. When daybreak comes, person who merits Torah study, so he's protected from the effects of the evil inclination and from sinning. And he still doesn't know which path to take. If he merits from through heavenly assistance that his Torah words are accepted amongst his colleagues, if he's reached that, then he is protected from everything. The Toysvis, the second Toysvis on this page says, Tema, a question is raised, how can you say he's saved from everything? As uh, we saw uh, in Rova above, that a Talmud Chacham, during the time that he's not involved with actual Torah, that he's not protected from the effects of the evil inclination. So how can uh, Marzutra say that a Talmud Chacham whose final, whose Torah teachings are accepted, lahalacha, are protected from is protected from everything? The Yesh Lomar, Distam Talmud Chacham Tarasum Naso. Your let's say um, standard. A uh, Torah scholar is a person whose whose Torah study is his preoccupation. He's always thinking Torah thoughts. He doesn't walk even four amos without Torah on his mind. So you don't have a situation when you refer to a Talmud Chacham that he's called Idna Dolo Asikba that he's at a time that he's not studying Torah since Torah thoughts are on his mind all the time. So he is, in fact, protected from the effects of the Yetzirah. Let's turn back to the Gemara. Dovar Acher, Avera Mechaba Mitzvah, Ve'ena Avera Mechaba Torah. 
I hope everyone sees that this is a quote from the long source above. We have a little reference mark to the immediate left-hand side of the Gemara. Compare that image to the one above, and you'll see where this is a quote from. And it was mentioned that sin has the power of extinguishing the uh, reward for mitzvah performance, but not for Torah study. Omar Rav Yosef, Darshay Rebbe Menachem Bar Yosef Lahai Kro Kisinai. Rav Yosef uh, uh, extols Rav Menachem Bar Yosef's uh, drosha abilities in, in in such a way that he mentions it's as if he received this from uh, Mount Sinai itself. In other words, a very authentic. Uh, drusha with a great deal of meaning. And had Doeg and Achitofel explained the Psukim uh, the way that Rav Nacham Rav Yossi did, Lo Rodfu Bosor David. They would not have pursued David. So the, let's try to get into their mindset. And now, here the Gemara presents what Doig and Achitofel had. Uh, let's, we'll see where they made the mistake, and then we'll see what they had been thinking. Dichtif, the Pasuk says, Lemor Elokim Azavo, Ridfu Vitivsuhu Kiein Matzil. They calculated that the Almighty abandoned of it, and therefore it's. Uh, he's 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 free game for them. They can pursue him, and nothing will save uh, him, David, from them. My Dorush, what were Doig and Achitofel calculating? The pasuk says, A person who is involved with ervas dover with acts of immorality of forbidden intimacies. The divine presence departs from him. In other words, he doesn't have protection. They, the enemies of David, did not know sins and with regard to David Amelech, so with, certainly with regard to Achitofel, uh, he was uh, calculating that uh, David had uh, behaved immorally uh, with, in his mind with regard to Bathsheba, I want to point out, it's a little parenthetical, but the sort of historically, the Maisa with Bathsheba was at a time that Doe could not have been in the picture anymore. There's a discussion in the Toysvis Shantz whether or not we should really have Doeg as part of the Girsa in the Gemara. That's as far as, let's say, for the sake of accuracy and detail, we're making mention of that. Nevertheless, we're going back to our Gemara. The Pasuk had mentioned that if there is any Ervas Dover involved with a person, so the Almighty departs him. And I, whenever we come to this topic of Dovid and Bathsheba, I speak with a great deal of trepidation and hesitation because uh, the Gemara mentions anyone who claims that Dovid actually sinned in that parsha is simply making a mistake. But on a, we'll say on a superficial level, the appearance that one uh, experiences, one sees in studying or in, in reading the psukim, so it would seem that there was an element 
of, uh, let's say, questionable behavior in the realm of a woman married to another man, and that would be classified as ervas dovor for our purposes. And therefore they figured, Achitofel certainly figured that, oh, I can uh, rebel against David and I will not be endangering myself. We continue in the Gemara. The enemies of David did not know. It's true that sin. And when the Torah uses, when the Gemara uses the word Avera, very often it's a, really a code word for immorality. An Avera can extinguish mitzvah reward. But Avera does not extinguish merit that one had for Torah study. And Dovin HaMelech had a great amount of Torah study behind him. And hence, he was protected, and therefore they made a bad choice by trying to pursue him and inflict pain and suffering upon him. My bows Yovuzu Lo. We made reference to this quite a bit earlier. This is a continuation of the Pasuk we quoted uh, uh, before from Shir HaShirim. Uh, which began with Mayim Rabim Lo Yuchlu Lechaboy Sesoavo, and we've actually included the Posik on the side of the Gemara uh, above, in the middle of the page. Venaroy Slo Yishtefuha, Yimitain Ishes Kolhoin Besa Bavo Boiz Yavuzulo. That's the Posik, and here the Gemara explains what is this a reference to. We'll appreciate it simply by going through more Gemara. Omar Ula. Lo kishimon achi azaria, v'lo kerebiochon This is uh, a reference to uh, Torah study, and uh, one who would offer, let's say, all his all his accumulated wealth uh, in exchange uh, for it. Boz yovuzulo. So Mora says that the posik is making reference to someone, but that's not like. Shimon, Shimon, Rabbi Shimon was supported by his brother. Namely, Azaria was a businessman who engaged in commerce, and he shared in his wealth with his brother Shimon, and he did so in exchange for sharing in Shimon's Torah merit, Torah study merit. So, that's one example. It's, it's legitimate, but it's not what the Pusik is talking about. And likewise, not like Rabbi Yochanan, who was supported by the Bay Nasiya. The Jewish leadership of that time supported Rabbi Yochanan. And hence, Rabbi Yochanan uh, continued learning Torah with a sense of, we'll say, financial security, being that he was supported by the base, by the Nasi, who was Mepharnesim. Elah Kehilo Veshevna. If you want to appreciate what this Pesach means, Boz Yavuzulo, We'll appreciate it more simply by continuing in the Gemara with regard to Hillel and Shevna. The Chiyosu Ravdimi Omar. Hillel, when Ravdimi came, he told us, Hillel v'Shevna Achihavu. These are two brothers. Hillel Osak Batura. Hillel was very famous. Uh, Rashi points out, this is the famous Hillel who studied Torah in, through poverty. Sheva, Shevna, his brother, Ovad Iska. Shevna was a businessman. Lesof Omar Le Naro Viniflo. Shevna offered to his brother Hillel, let us split. In other words, I'll support you, and you will in turn um, share in your Torah reward with me. 
Yotsa Baskov Yomra. Imitain ish as kol hoin beso. Ba'avo. Bo's yovuzu lo. So in, in the context of this Gemara, without uh, translating it literally, the idea here is that Hillel said, nothing doing. I am not going to, in exchange for all of the wealth that you're offering me, I am not going to share in my Torah study. I want Bo's yovuzu lo. Bo's biza is a term referring to spoils. In other words, I want to keep all the spoils for myself, and I'm willing to live a life of impoverishment for the sake of Torah study, and thereby forego your offer of, of great wealth, of support. So that, here you have a very revealing Gemara. Reference was made to other great men that uh, didn't follow that approach, but rather did share. Uh, and, of course, Hillel, who refused to share, was willing to live, as we said, a life of impoverishment, and not to uh, share any of his Torah merit with someone else. Let us now continue to Omid Beis. This is a quote from the Mishnah on Dav Chofam Aleph. Omer ben Azai, Chayev Odom Lulamed Es, what Mishnah went on to say, Bito Torah, uh, according to Ben Azai, uh, a father is obligated to teach his daughter Torah, and this was all in the context of uh, merit that a woman would accumulate, and if, uh, if, if need be, it will protect her in the unfortunate event of her becoming a sota. Rebbe Lezer, Omer, called es bito Torah, melamdo tiflus. more focuses on Rebbe Lezer's comment. And once again, we're going to just translate the Gemara, leaving room for the Gemara's question. Rebbe Lezer says, anyone who teaches his daughter Torah is teaching her foolishness. Tiflis is foolishness, uh, frivolousness. The Gemara asks, Tiflis, how can you refer to Torah as frivolous? Teaching a woman Torah is tantamount to teaching her some other topic that is frivolous. Omar Rabbi Avol, my taimo the Rabbi Elazar. What's the basis, the reasoning behind Rabbi Elazar? What's pushing him to say that? Tiftiv the pasuk says ani chochma shachanti orma. That's a pasuk in Mishlei, and the book of Mishlei, the book of Proverbs, is a a, a, a source that. In its many different analogies, are really references to Torah study. And here we darshan, we explain, when Torah wisdom enters a person, as a result of his study of Torah, armumis. Armumis is a, a word that I find hard to translate. Sometimes it gets a, some of these, uh, you can offer a translation, but there's something lost in the fine meaning of the word. So, armumis is often translated as cunningness. Type of, uh, it's, it's uh, smarts. It's wisdom, but it also involves cunningness. And we take a look at Rashi. Some comments that he makes are quite elucidating here. On the top line, uh, Ki'ilu. This is where the Gemara said, anyone who teaches his daughter Torah, according to Rebbe Lezer, is tantamount to teaching her something that's foolish. Through the, her study of Torah, she 
gains understanding of, of this type of wisdom that's called armumis, cunningness, the uh, and then she'll do things in a in a secretive fashion. For our purposes, what Rebbe Lezer is trying to communicate is that this type of of knowledge and wisdom is not becoming of a woman. A woman has a certain sense of, we'll say, uh, class, of aristocracy, of uh, pride that, uh, that a woman has, and behavior in this kind of fashion, this cunning, working around, working through the back door, and, and tricking type fashion, uh, that, and, and these are all... Uh, this, this type of thinking, a type of type of methodology that Torah study does uh, impart to an individual. In fact, uh, if I may give a, a a possible analogy to what is being referred to here as a a Gemara, if I'm not mistaken, Maseches Bava Basra, that reveals all kinds of ways that that uh, tricksters would practice in the area of uh, weights and measures, say, deviancies with regard to uh, charging the public in commercial transactions while using different weights and measures. And in that very Gemara, so the Tana of that section uh, exclaims, whatever I do, I'm going to end up losing out. Namely, if I reveal the tricks of the gangsters... So then people will get the wrong ideas, though. They'll learn how to, tr- how to fake out, how to tr- rip off the public. That's if I reveal. Now, if I don't reveal their methods, so the gangsters and the, the thieves will think that uh, the rabbis don't know how we operate, and, and uh, they're, they're not on top of things, and we can get away with it. So you can see in that, that case that the rabbi was in a... In a quandary, should I say, should I not say? But revealing these kinds of we'll call ideas and many, many other types of, let's say, uh, we'll say questionable practices that one will pick up in Torah study. In other words, you've got to know what not to do. Uh, another analogy uh, that's maybe not as related, but the Gemara says, if I'm not mistaken, in Maseches Sanhedrin, that in, in order to be a member of the high court, you have to know sorcery. Well, great rabbis are not going to practice sorcery. Sorcery, the Torah condemns and is actually punishable by death. So why would the, how, how is it that the rabbis should know how to perform sorcery? So the Gemara says, because if a sorcerer is brought before the high court for prosecution, they have to know the details of sorcery in order to know whether the party brought in front of them is actually guilty of that. So there are areas in Torah that when one studies Torah and pursues it in, 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 its, in its depth and its breadth, they accumulate all kinds of, we'll say, thought processes and, and, and um, ideas that fall into this category of Orma. And as far as Rebbe Lezer is concerned, that's not fitting for a woman. Let's continue in the Gemara. Virabonon, hi ani chokma mai avdilei. According to the Rabbonah, those that don't learn like Rebbe Lazar, what do they see in this Pesach? 
Miboya lay lichter Rabbi Yosi Rabchanina. They needed for Rabbi Yosi Rabchanina's approach. And uh, on the side of the Gemara, you see we have a diamond featured because as you look ahead in the Gemara, we see that marking. The issue is here, within whom is Torah maintained? Who has a handle on Torah? Who keeps Torah, maintains, who remembers his Torah? So Rabbi Yossi says, Torah will not be maintained other than by people who are willing to sacrifice everything for the sake of Torah. Rashi says on the third line from the top, Someone who separates from all kinds of commerce and business in order to totally dedicate himself to the study of Torah. and at, To the point that he becomes impoverished. That's one approach to the word orom. Naked, literally naked, but totally impoverished for the sake of Torah study. Lishnachrina, Shemesim Atzmo Oromaleha. In our Gemara text, we had the Girsu Shemamid Atzmo Orom Alehem. Here we have a different Girsa, and, and as Shemesim Atzmo uh, Oromaleha, Shemarim, through cunningness, he has. Uh, methods shiskayim toroso. In other words, just, just just read Torah line by line, read and translate and get on with the show. But rather, he he has methods of maintaining his Torah likboit salyad. Now, this expression likboit salyad, you can see referred to in Maseches Avodah Daf Yutes, and if I'm not mistaken, also in Maseches Erevin Daf approximately Nun Dalid. Uh, reference there is made to people who study, uh, we'll say, small sections of Torah and then review it until it becomes quite fluent in their minds and then move on to the next. Likbotsayad is an expression meaning to collect, aliyad means small amounts, and then proceed onwards, as opposed to those that might uh, study large tracts of Gemara, of Torah, without any review and hope uh, that they will maintain it. So, being ma'arim, to let's say be, be cunning, means devising a an approach to be able to maintain Torah. The lilmoid mikol adam, and another uh, uh, expression of this mesim atzma oromaleo, is to learn from all. Um, and that, in my opinion, is a uh, a reflection of the uh, characteristic of modesty. In other words, a person who, let's say, has accomplished a certain amount of Torah scholarship might say it's beneath his dignity to to uh, learn from, to discuss uh, Torah with someone of, uh, say, lesser standing. That's a function of uh, a certain level of uh, of haughtiness. But rather, be ready, be open, lumod mikol adam from all people. Let's continue in our Gemara. Uh, after having seen this expression, Torah is miskayim b'mishem ma'amid atzmor malem shenemar ani chochmo shochanti ormo. I have wisdom, and that's because I I dwelt in this characteristic of orma, as we've already explained through the Rashi. Om Rabbi Yochanan, ain divrei Torah miskayim el b'mishem meisim atzmo k'mishenu. Torah is not maintained by 
anyone other than he who makes himself like nothing. And this, as we just mentioned before, is a, an open expression of modesty and humility. Shinemar, Chochma, wisdom, Me'ayin, ayin means from nothing. From someone who makes himself like nothingness, there you will find Torah greatness. Rabbi Yeshua Omer, In our Mishnah we saw, uh, Rabbi Yeshua says that a woman wants uh, so a woman would like to have a, a kav as a small measure and tiflus is, is a, a lightness and frivolity than nine measures and um, abstention. The Gemara says, asks my Kalmar, what is uh, Rabbi uh, Shor trying to tell us? Hachi Kalmar, Rotsa Isha Bekav Tiflus Imo Mitishas Kaben Uprishus. We look at Rashi, Rotsa Isha Bekav Tiflus, Chafetsa Lizon Bemazonis Motem, a woman would rather have a small income. And have her intimacy uh, pleasures fulfilled. Rather than have, uh, say, a greater household income, but that greater household income, it's even nine times more, would require abstention from tiflus, from intimacy, because her husband will have to be out at the office much longer, out on the road much more. In order to appreciate this comment of Rashi, the Marsha says, and we've included the, the uh, text of the Marsha on the side of the Gemara, let's uh, learn it together. Gam min the Torah itself is is replete with instructions in how to stay away from frivolity. We mentioned before that the woman will would desire to be in we'll say in constant contact with her husband in the context of intimacy, but beyond the actual act of intimacy, which is in fact a very holy act as far as the Torah is concerned, there is a there are other, let's say, accompanying uh, features with, let's say, that type of lifestyle where there's a constant preoccupation with that, that also falls into this category of tiflis, foolishness and lightheadedness and, and, and uh, the, the opposite of, we'll say, of what's called kovid rosh in Hebrew, seriousness and uh, sincerity. So the Torah itself is as we say, is, is filled with instructions on in how to stay away from Tiflus. However, the Marsha, since the woman has a great desire for this, she's not going to listen to that which the Torah says. The Torah is encouraging people to uh, pursue a life of, we'll say, the opposite of Tiflus. And she isn't interested in that. She's drawn to Tiflus, umutov Therefore, it's better for a woman to avoid Torah study than to study Torah, learn about all of the 
Azhoros, the warnings against uh, full, uh, say lightheadedness, and violate it anyway. In other words, it's better to be, we'll say, in a state of uh, ignorance of the Azhoros, the preachings of the Torah, than to be aware of them and violate them anyway. Let's turn back to the Gemara. Hu hoya oimer, chosid shoite, verosha orum, vechulei. The Mishnah had mentioned a number of, we'll say, behaviors that need explanation. And that's what we're going to see in the Gemara. On the side, we have a Nosei Mivne heading. The double underline highlights the expression Heichidomi, Chosid Shoitev Roshorum. What are meant by those expressions? And uh, triangles will appear a bit later in attempting to explain these are Deos Bimau Roshorum. What is meant by that term that we saw in the Mishnah? My Komar, I should say, Huhoya Oimer, we read this already, Chosid Shaitiv Rosh Aurum, Hechi Domi Chosid Shaita. What is meant by the foolish, pious one? Kigon, de Kotova, Itzabinara. Imagine a situation where uh, a woman is drowning in the river. The Omar and the onlooker says, Lav Orach Aral is Takuli Ba Vatsula. It's not the right way to gaze upon women and uh, and and thereby save her. <laughs> in other words, by his uh, his his piety in, in in not looking upon women, so he's going to end up leaving her to drown. There's a that's a chosid shaita, which, uh, as we saw in the Mishnah, are mevale oilom. They're destroyers of the world. Taisvis here, so a little short Taisvis toward the lower part of the narrow lines. Echidomi Chosid Shaita. In Yushalmi, in the uh, Yushalmi uh, Talmud, it says, A man saw a, a child drowning in the river. Omar, and he said, Take off my tefillin, I'll go save him. By the time he took off his tefillin, the, uh, the child already died. Again, an example of a chosid seemingly acting in piety, but shoyte, an absolute fool. Let's turn back to our Gemara. Hechidoma Rosha Orum. What is meant by that? Omar Rebbe Chanino. Zehamatim Dvorov Ladayon Kodem Shiovo Bal Din Chavero. Let's take a look at Rashi together. Shematim Dvorov Ladayon. This is a reference to someone who has a court case. He and another litigant, one against the other. So one of them starts to present his case before the opponent is present. And the problem here is, is that when the, uh, the words of the first one and his claims are uh, absorbed by the judge... Reading the Rashi again, the Mishik believe Hadayan Sharei Zuchuyosov Lidvarov Shozeh Koshin Lesalkan. It's very hard to to rid yourself of your say original mindset. Vaharei Ar Muso. This is the cunningness of trying to present your case uh, prematurely and before the the uh, litigant is pre- your your opponent is present. The Roshahu. He's considered a, a wicked individual. He's in violation of what the Posuk in, uh, in Sefer Shmos, 
tells us, and that posik is darshan maseches shvu is daflamet aleph, which has to do with this very type of behavior, presenting your case before the fellow litigant is present. So, uh, by learning the Rashi, we understand that the aspect of rishus and of oru being cunning. The Gemara goes on. Rabbi Avol Omer lahashlim loy mosayim zuz. First, we'll translate. This is a person who uh, gives to a poor man a small coin, and with the receipt of that dinar, that, that's a type, it's a, it's a denomination of currency, with uh, the receipt of the dinar, he, the poor man, now has 200 zuz. He's now worth 200 zuz. At that point, this poor man is not entitled to receive various kinds of tithes that the poor are entitled to. If you're under that level of wealth, then you're considered entitled to leket shikhan, pay out different types of tithes that the poor are entitled to. And when one is entitled to that, if you let us say are worth less than 200 zuz, you can collect as much leket shikhan pay as you want, even if it's a large amount. You're entitled to that right. But once you uh, reach 200 zuz of wealth, you're not allowed to take to receive any of those tithes. So the Rosha Orum, says Rabbi Avo, is someone like that. Now, what's, what's motivating him to pay, to, we'll say, to pay off this Oni, to, uh, to give him a dinner and, and, and thereby keep him away from your fields where these tithes are available? The reason is, is because you have your own relatives that are impoverished, and you want them to come and collect the tithes, thereby depriving this uh, stranger from helping himself to uh, your tithes. And uh, that's, uh, that's wrong because uh, the halacha says the, uh, the, 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 the proper way is first come, first serve. Whoever is chancing upon your property, he comes and has a right to take. You can't, uh, to the, you can't hold, uh, hold it for specific individuals. And so by paying him off, you're thereby, in, a, in effect, making him disqualified from taking the tithes. So the uh, Gemara now gives us the background to what we just explained. Someone who who uh, has 200 zuz, he's not entitled to take these different kinds of tithes. We're not explaining each one, but they're, they're references to different types of tithes. If a man had 199 zuz, in other words, he had 200 minus a dinar, so, he's allowed to receive even a thousand zoos in one shot uh, of, of uh, if a person has a large field and the, the miser only of his field, ten, one, ten, uh, say tenth of, uh, uh, 10% of his produce is worth a thousand zoos, you can give it to that individual. He is entitled to it because at that moment he doesn't have 200 zoos. Rav Asi, Omar, Rabbi Yochanan, another approach to what a Rosh Orum is, Zehamasi Eitzah, Limkor B'nechosim Mu'atim. This is one who counsels children who inherited an estate where the estate was limited. Nechosim uh, Mu'atim, there are sons who inherit an estate and they have a sister, daughter of the deceased, 
And the uh, halacha says that when there is a limited estate, so rabbinically, a daughter is entitled to uh, take possession of the property, of whatever there is in this limited estate, and the sons, they have to go out fend for themselves. However, if the sons jump the gun and sell off the limited properties uh, before the daughter the, uh, of the deceased takes what is due to her, uh, she is at a loss. So Rabbi Yochanan says, someone who comes along and gives counsel to the sons that inherited a limited estate to sell off the properties, thereby depriving the girl from getting the uh, that which re- that which is there. So uh, the Gemara continues giving the background to that. The Yomar of Asiyom Rabbi Yochanan Yisoyimim Shekodmu Machu Benachosim Watim orphans that inherited their father's estate, and it was a small estate, and they sold off whatever little property that was there. Mashe Machu Machu. Their sales are binding, and the girls are not entitled to lay claim on that which these uh, that which their brothers just sold off. Now, of course, he should, they shouldn't have done that because, technically speaking, the girls, when there are nechasim otam, the girls are entitled to the, that limited property for their, own, for their own maintenance, and the sons should go out and uh, seek out, by knocking on doors if need be, their uh, income. But if they, as we said, if they sold before the girls came to court, uh, which would have entitled them to the Mechosmotim, their sale remains binding, and the girls lose out. So, someone who gives counsel to the uh, sons in that case to sell off is considered a Russia Orum, he's a cunningly wicked individual. Abaye Omar another approach to what is a Rosh Aram, Zeh Masi Eitzel Limkor B'Nechosim K'Rabon Shimon Ben Gamliel. This is someone who, again, it's in the realm of commerce, he gives counsel to someone to sell off properties, in, a, in, well, say, in accordance with the teaching of Shimon Leo. doesn't mean that Shimon Leo tells you to do this, but based on his halacha, you'll see what this is, and how this is evil counsel. What's the case? What's the background? The Sanya, here we have the background. There's a person who is deathly ill, and he's assigning his properties, and he says, I want you to have, he says to Mr. One, or Mr. A, my property is unto you, and, uh, and when you die, I don't want your children to inherit it, I want uh, it to go to some Mr. B. And the Mr. A, who received the properties, he went and he sold off the properties and consumed the income. That Mr. B, in our story, has a right to take those properties from the purchasers for himself. Rab Shimon Lil Omer, and here is what we are interested in focusing on. Rab Shimon Lil says, Ain Lasheni Elamashishia Rishon. That second party, that Mr. B, does not receive anything other than that which Mr. A did not sell off. But whatever Mr. A sold off, he gets the he gets the uh, the money, the income from that, and Mr. B is out of is out of it. He's 
he uh, doesn't uh, have any rights to those properties, even though he was mentioned in the original, uh, we'll say, bequeathing. So what's, who's the Rosh Orum? The Rosh Orum is the one who goes to Mr. A and says, listen, you know, uh, your children aren't going to inherit these properties anyway after you're gone. You know what? You might as well do. Go sell them off and enjoy whatever income, whatever proceeds you can get from those sales. Thereby, of course, depriving Mr. B of what the original benefactor uh, wanted him to receive. Rav Yosef Bar Chama Rav Let's take a look at Rashi. Who is a Rosh Arum? This is someone who tries to convince others to follow in his ways. Look at what I do and follow me. This individual is trying to convince others to follow him. To read an image of piety in the eyes of the public, but his, his inner being is not like his exterior. It's all a cover-up, so that people should uh, view him as uh, some type of pious individual, and not uh, investigate, not search out what his real uh, inner personal lifestyle is like. And of course, he's trying to uh, mislead the public that they shouldn't reveal his uh, life of um, abomination, of immorality. So he is a Russia Orum. He's wicked and he's cunning. Trying, his cunningness is trying to get others to think he's one thing when he's really a Russia. Rabbi Zrika Omar Avuno who's a Rosh Arum, someone who in his, uh, we'll say, his halachic life is lenient for himself, and when it comes to issuing halachic rulings for others, he presents them with stringency. Ula Omar Zeh, and we continue at the top of Chof Bezom and Aleph, Shekora Vishona Veloshimesh Talmide Chachomim. Who is a Rosh Arum? Someone who has studied scriptures, he has studied Mishnayas, but he has not studied Gemara. Let's take a look at Rashi. The top line, Shekara Mikra. Mikra is a reference to that which is of a scriptural nature. Psukim, Vishana, Mishnah, Veloshim, Mishnah, Luma, does that mean? Veloshim, Mishnah, Instead of translating it, rather, Rashi presents what it really means. It's Lumoid Svoras Hagemora Betame Hamishan Mahim. It's the study of the explanations of the Gemara in what are the reasons behind the Mishnayas. Roshahu, he's called a Rosha, and later we'll have to see why he's called Orum. Roshu Shein Tairoso Alburya. His uh, Torah, being that he didn't study Gemara, his, his Torah is not with clarity. It's simply not accurate because the Mishnayas in and of themselves are a, we'll say, a skeletal presentation of what real halacha is. The Ain Lil Mod Menu, and one should not learn from such an individual. Shaide Atomim, 
one who would be aware of the Talmud of the reasons, there are distinctions to be made in the realm of that which is prohibited and that which is allowed. When it comes to money matters, once you know the reasons behind things, you understand there are different, there are practical applications for uh, exonerating and for uh, holding uh, liable. When it comes to matters of ritual purity, when you know the Ta'omim, the reasons behind things, you can then rule whether something is actually defiled or not. As it says in many places in the Shas, in the Talmud, why, why did so-and-so in the Tanoim, why did he say thusly, and why did the other one say thusly? Uh, and the Gemara will often say, well, and so what's the practical difference between them? And it says, there is the following, this is the difference, that's the difference. All of that as a result, all of these, these points and these, these distinctions are a result of studying the, the Talmud, that's Shimesh Tamerachachomim, without which, of course, you remain ignorant. The Orumhu, what's the cunningness, what's the underhanded element of such an individual? One who hears someone studying Mishnayas. So the people in the public will think that he's an expert in their reasons. And he then is the recipient of respect as if he were a true Torah scholar. And Hence, the false receipt of respect uh, is Orum, and as we said, Russia, because his own practice of Torah and whatever rulings he might issue are simply erroneous. The Gemara will be continuing uh, on the, with this theme. Amir Tzashem in our uh, next Shior will continue with these points. With that, we conclude our Shior for today.